Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, wow. So uh, I, I was actually thinking this week, because this is our, our final week of relationship goals, and I'm like, man, I, I can't think of a series in the history of revolution, and we've done a lot of relationship series. I can't think of one more practical uh, and more applicable to all relationships than, than this relationship goal series, as we've been talking about uh, different goals for our relationships. We, we talked about connection goals in week one, and then conflict goals in week two. Uh, and then last week, Nate did a, an amazing job talking about communication goals, and, and that James 119, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And just, it's, it's been so practical uh, in, in all relationships. And today's no different as we look at like uh, the commitment goals, other than we are going to focus somewhat today on romantic relationships, and more specifically, marriage. But I believe, even though we're going to kind of put the spotlight on uh, romantic relationships and marriage, I think no matter where you're at with that, or dating, or uh, like this is going to relate to all relationships in some way. So hopefully we all leave with something as we take off at the end. Because we've, we've been saying this every week, this is kind of the foundation of well, you know, why we're doing this series. The single most important thing in our lives are relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with each other. There's nothing more important than that. So uh, before we dive into this final goal, the commitment goal, uh, just a few quick important things I want to share. A few quick next-gen announcements. So some important next-gen announcements. And by the way, this is our new next-gen logo. And I know Justin Dinsborn that created this for us is in the room. So can we give him a hand? I mean, that looks so cool. Yeah. And, and just it kind of brings in like the, the symbols of connection into it, so I love it. Um, so just some next-gen announcements. Tonight is our first Sunday night student group. So we've moved it from Wednesday to Sunday, and so 5 to 6.30 p.m., and it's going to be an every-other-week environment that we offer for students, uh, is our student groups. You're going to come in at 5. There's going to be activities and games and stuff out in the lobby, and then there's large group time, and then you break into small groups for 6th grade, junior high, and high school. So I, I really hope that just come out for tonight, invite a friend, be here. It's going to be great. Uh, announcement number two, kind of within um, next gen. Uh, don't miss next Sunday. There's a lot of reasons not to miss next Sunday. For one, we're starting a brand new series next week called Final Week. I can't wait to share the talk. As we're we're going to look at the final week of Jesus' life leading up to, to our Easter celebration, April 11th and 12th. So we're just really going to focus on Jesus leading up to Easter. But don't miss next week also because our next-gen leaders, uh, Kate Holcomb and Shauna Cazello, they're going to share some vision and a very specific challenge for our church. We, we've been talking about for, I don't know, six months or so, this incredible problem we have at Revolution where every Sunday over 30% of our attendance is 
next generation kids over across the, the hall. So 30 some percent every single week, which is about 150 or more kids every Sunday we get to serve. And then our growing student ministry as we're talking, you know, different changes with that. So we, we, there's going to be two vision pieces that they're going to be shared next week that if we can move toward this early, fast, it's really going to help with this amazing problem we have of, of just you know, sharing the love of Christ with kids and students. Uh, and then finally, next Sunday, the other reason you don't want to miss next Sunday is because we are launching our student section. We've been talking about this. We're going to have a student section in this room, and I'm going to keep doing this because I don't want to tell you where it's at yet. But you, when you come in next Sunday, there's going to be a few rows that will be reserved, at, and there's going to be signs, like that's the student section. So some of you might lose your seat next week. But you, you got to come into this thinking, I'm not losing my seat. I'm getting a new seat with an opportunity to meet some new friends. That's what next Sunday is about. And the vision of a student section where students are going to lead us in celebration and, and have this time of connection even on Sunday morning. And then at the end of each service, kind of moving forward, we're going to have an application question for students as they leave this room each and every week too. So it, all that's kind of coming together next week. If you are a student grades 6 through 12, Here's a, here's a next step I would encourage you to take right now. Students grades 6 through 12, grab a next step card. If you're in the front row, there's a next step card directly behind you. Just grab that real quick, next step card. And I, what I need you to do is just write your name, your phone number, and your carrier. And there's going to be stuff that's sent out just to students to keep you connected within this ministry that's you know, taking some steps forward and stuff. So, hey, everybody, 6th to 12th graders, come on, grab next step card. And if, if you're a parent of a 6th to 12th grader and they're not in this room, you grab it for them. Uh, name, phone number, carrier, so we can just kind of stay connected within that. Um, so, and then, okay, last, last quick thing, and then we'll just dive in. Today is the last day uh, to become a Revolution Partner. And we, we talked about this all January long, like we, we've challenged people at Revolution to step up into this level of commitment we call partnership, where you're a, a 3C disciple, these words over here where you, you're committing to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church community and beyond, and we're doing it as a family, uh, as a church, because we're better together. And, and have you seen the partner hallway? Some of you that dropped your kids off, you probably saw it. Look at this. I, w I mean, that's 411 partner certificates, and we had some people take the step after first service. So uh, we're going to offer partnership class two times a year going forward after Easter and in the fall. So there's going to be opportunities throughout the year to become a partner and to, to really understand what it's all about. So, But we just wanted to say, if you were at the Better Together series and you know what it's all about, I mean, don't take this commitment lightly. But if you're ready to take that commitment, you can stop at the Welcome Center and become a partner today. And so this will be the last Sunday we kind of offer that until our partnership class happens a couple times a year. So uh, that's all the announcements. We good? You ready for week four? Okay. Man, first service was more awake. Okay, so okay, let's start with this then. There, I don't know if you're with me on this, but I, I really appreciate a high-quality marketing campaign. And I don't know if it's just some way that God's wired me or whatever, but I just, I, when, when someone, when a company comes up with like a slogan and like just like a way of selling their product and, and getting the consumer to buy in, like I just, I know all the hours that go into that and the creative process and the brainstorming and, and just like, it's probably years or more, like in getting to that point where it's out to us and it's great marketing campaign. And, and when there's a great marketing campaign, even if I don't want the product, I'm just like, 
I want, I'm going to buy that because that was just really clever and thought-provoking and, and, and interesting. And then on the other hand, the same is true of bad marketing. Like it, it, there might be a product that would really benefit my life if the marketing is really bad and the, the slogan and the commercial is really bad. I'm like, I'm not buying that. An example of that would be my pillow. Now, some of you might have a my pillow. And, and I probably need a MyPillow because I wake up many mornings with some neck stiffness and, and th- th- I guess MyPillow is supposed to help with that. But I'm not, I'm not buying one because the commercials are horrible. And, and if you haven't seen them, let's just, let's just experience this together. Looks like you're not sleeping well. Yeah. How did you know? And Megan! What? Hey! You're that guy. The My Pillow guy. That's right, and I'm here to help you get the best sleep of your lives. <sighs> okay, that's enough. That's just, that is it. Because, I mean, if the My Pillow guy shows up in my medicine cabinet on, on a, a random morning, I'm not reacting that way to the Mr. My Pillow. So I mean, maybe if you have a My Pillow, that's fine. But I, I just, I, I just hate, creepy, weird, whatever you want to label that. But then there are companies that come up with this marketing theme that just, it makes sense and it's, it's catchy and, and I want to buy that product. One such example as of late is AT&T's just okay is not okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? In the most recent Just Okay is Not Okay commercial relates to this season that we're in, so let's watch it first. You leave it to me. I'll get your taxes in an okay place. What? Well, just as soon as my audit is over. This gets my undivided attention. Take a lot of trips to the Caymans, Phil. Pretty great, right? Oh, Phil's legally dead. Fell off a boat. Going by Dennis now. Solari. <laughs> Long story. Then we got, oh, no, you're not going to want to see this. Let me I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> Just okay is not okay. AT&T Okay, so, so that's, that's the most recent, but um, I, it's going to be hard for them to top the one they came out with about a year ago. This is still my favorite of the Just Okay is Not Okay commercials. Maybe you've seen this one. Have you ever worked for Dr. Francis? Oh, yeah. He's okay. Just Okay. Guess who just got reinstated? <laughs> well, not officially. Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. Just okay is not okay. AT&T has... Okay, so... Just okay is not okay. And this is true with self-service, but it's never more true than when it comes to relationships, more specifically the relationship of marriage. Because I've never heard a guy who asked a girl to marry him and thought, I guess I'll ask her, it'll be okay. (laughs) uh, Hopefully, I mean, no no guy wants to propose in marriage and the girl's thinking, well, maybe nobody else better comes along. I guess he's okay. Okay, yeah, we'll try it. it, We'll give it a shot. Uh, Just just okay is not okay, right? I've done a ton of weddings in in my life in ministry, and one of the things I love about doing a wedding is you're like front and center with this couple that's just in the zone, and who knows all the different thoughts. I mean, mostly I don't want to pass out, but there's lots of different thoughts probably happening as, you know, you're looking into each other's eyes, and you're experiencing this moment of, you know, you're, you're entering into a lifelong commitment, and this is, like, you're thinking, this is going to be incredible life. I mean, amazing. Nobody, nobody goes it like it's hopefully thinking in that time, well, this is going to be okay. You know, I mean, we don't want it. Hopefully not, right? Because just okay in marriage is not okay. And and like I said, if you're, if you're not married and you're not connecting with that relationship, this, 
matters for every relationship. Just okay is not okay in friendships. Just okay is not okay in our relationships with our kids. But especially marriage, because God created this relationship to be uh, the, the longest lasting, uh, most uh, intimate, connected relationship we experience on this planet. So just okay is not okay. And if you agree with that, just make a little bit of noise if we're together so far. Okay, okay, good. Way better, way better. So if, if we all agree, then how come marriage can oftentimes feel just okay? And even sometimes not okay, right? Um, and that brings us to the most important part of this talk so far. I want to share a verse of scripture right now, and, and I'm going to make a big statement about this verse, okay? I believe that if we apply this one verse to our marriage, and we actually live this verse out consistently, that you will never experience a just okay marriage. Or if you're experiencing a just okay marriage, this verse and the application of this verse will take your marriage from just okay to awesome. And there's not even an outside force that can break through the commitment that comes through living out this single verse of scripture. And it's one of the simplest verses in all the Bible, but one of the most profound and powerful when it comes to relationships. And I'm convinced that what, what we're gonna discover through this, it, it can take our marriages from just okay maybe to just awesome. So is enough hype for the verse? Let, let's look at it. It's written by a guy named John, one of the disciples of Jesus, one of his closest friends actually. And later after Jesus was gone back to heaven, John was inspired by God to write this. He said, um, dear children, don't just talk about love. Put your love into action. Then it will truly be love. And so last week, Nate gave us a lot of verses that practically related to the communication goal. And just in, it, a lot, I'm just going to give us two today. And this is the one we're really going to focus everything on. We'll get the other one right at the very end. So I thought, man, if we could just like memorize this even before we leave, this is such a powerful verse. So let's just say this together, the whole verse. Ready? Dear children, don't just talk about love. Put your love into action. Then it will truly be love. So this disciple named John is inspired by God to clarify what love requires of us. That love that's just words, or it's just talk, it's just emotion, that doesn't even pass the love smell test. Okay, that's, that's not love. The only way something qualifies as love is when it's lived out, right? Here's what I'm saying. Love isn't love unless it's active. Love isn't love unless it's active. Like action is what takes this feeling we often label as love. We think of love as a feeling oftentimes, but it's what takes that feeling and it puts it to work, into action. Or as DC Talk would say, love is a, love is a, love is a verb, with a U, L-U-V. If you don't know who DC Talk is, Google that later. It will be incredible. So, but I'm telling you, like this truth right here, this truth, this understanding and application, it can revolutionize a just okay marriage. And it's going to take both of you, but change always starts with me. Change always starts with me. So it, and just one person living this out in a marriage can start this amazing cycle of change and revolution that takes a just okay marriage to awesome. So but let's, let's apply this. Let's keep going. Don't just talk about love. Put your love into action. Then it will truly be love. One really practical and relatively simple way we can actively love and again, you can't love without action. Active love is the only kind of love. But a way we can actively love the most important person in our life, our spouse, is by learning to love them the way they need to be loved. Now, here's what I mean by that. 
Hang with me, all right? Uh, so Dr. Gary Chapman, some of you have maybe heard that name. He spent years as a marriage counselor, and he, he heard hundreds and hundreds of couples share, share their issues, a variety of issues. But regardless of the issue, he kept hearing this common theme. He kept hearing that one spouse or the other just didn't feel loved. Because although love is an action, the, the action of love is often felt, when done right, is often felt by the other person. So love is the action, but it's felt by the other person. So he'd been doing this research, and he discovered that most people feel loved when they are shown loved in one of five ways. And he wrote a book based on the research. Maybe some of you have read the book. It's sold over 12 million copies worldwide now. It's called The Five Love Languages. And maybe you've heard about this or heard some about this. And so we're going to talk about it today. And I hope even if you've read the book or thought through some of this before, that hopefully as we package it in a fresh new way, that this is like a new challenge and, or maybe it reinvigorates some of this information. It's been a long time. And, and I think most of us, as we kind of walk through these five love languages, most of us will be able to identify which one is us. Which one do we feel loved most through? Uh, but just in case, a, a great next step from today would be to go to the website, fivelovelanguages.com forward slash quizzes. And this is for everybody. There's uh, dating relationship quizzes. There's parent to child, child to parent, just as we're figuring this out in families. Of course, there's marriage uh, relationship quizzes. And it's ways to really identify what's that first love language, second, third, fourth, fifth. So, I mean, have your whole family take it, take it with your partner, your, your spouse. So let, let, we're going to look at each five of these and kind of apply that verse back to the love languages. So the first love language is quality time. Quality time. Some of you are already, that's, like, that might be me. So if, if quality time is your love language or the love language of your spouse, nothing says I love you like full undivided attention. Like physical presence is really important with quality time, but it's more than that. It's like TV's off, phone's down, like flipped over so you don't see the notifications, and like just chores are on standby for now. All the things we got to accomplish are on standby, and we're just like, we're, we're spending quality time. Like th this makes your significant other feel truly special and loved. And some, some of the specific actions of loving someone with this love language involves things like going for a long walk, uh, having, like playing a game. Unless you're too competitive, that might not work. But uh, having an in-depth conversation, maybe even scheduling time for an in-depth conversation where you're going to be alert and awake. And uh, date night with just your spouse, nobody else, just one-on-one -on -one date night. Uh, and for someone with this love language, distractions, postponed dates, or the failure to listen can be especially hurtful. So to help us remember quality time, because I want to, uh, we're going to do something at the end so we don't forget these five love languages. I want you to stare deeply into the eyes of the person next to you for the next five seconds. Quality time. Four, three. That's creepy. We're not doing that. That's not, quality time. That's the first one. Here's the second love language. Second love language is receiving gifts. Receiving gifts. And again, some of you are like, boom, that is me. You get me something nice. Love tank filled to overflowing. Okay, so if, if this is your love language or the love language of your significant other, uh, love is felt through the thoughtfulness and effort behind a gift. The, the perfect gift or gesture shows that you are known, you're cared for, you're prized above whatever the sacrifice was that had to go into getting you the gift. Um, the, the action of loving someone with this love language involves things like purchasing a favorite treat, uh, something small purchased in the person's favorite color, 
throwing ideas out there. You might want to, uh, maybe giving something sentimental or, or a giving a gift unexpectedly for no special occasion, a just because kind of gift. I mean, that just fills the love tank. And on the negative side, a missed birthday, anniversary, or hasty, thoughtless gift can be disastrous in your relationship with someone who feels love through receiving gifts. Now, this is not my wife's love language, but I have had some disasters in this area. And I share, I'll share one just so you feel better, okay? Um, it was early in our marriage, and it was Mother's Day. And I decided to get my wife for Mother's Day kitchenware. And it was beautiful. It was Rachel Ray, this beautiful green color, pots and pans, not the best gift if you're trying to actively show love to your wife. She read an unintentional message that I was not trying to communicate through that gift. So I learned something there. So, but anyway, in honor of this uh, love language, receiving gifts, I'd like grab your info card and just share it with the person next to you. Trade info cards. Unless you have notes on there, just keep it. But go ahead. Just, just give somebody your info card and just say, you know, say thank you. Okay, nobody's doing it. Never mind. All right, third love language. Here we go. Third love language, acts of service. If this is your love language or the love language of your spouse, you love hearing words like this, I'll vacuum. <laughs> I'll, I'll take care of cleaning the table. Uh, I got the toilet this week. <laughs> um, I, I could keep, followed through by action, okay? Because the words don't mean much without the follow through, okay? Love isn't love unless it's, unless it's active, okay? And, and it's, that's even elevated with this love language right here. Anything done to ease the burden of responsibilities weighing on an acts of love or an acts of service person will speak volumes. A simple phrase that he or she most wants to hear is, let me do that for you. Yeah, let me do that for you. I got that. Yeah, that phrase is more beautiful than Shakespeare poetry to an acts of love or acts of service person. Uh, on the other side, laziness, forgetting to do something you said you'd do, and making more work for someone with this love language says to them their feelings don't matter. Love isn't love unless it's active. Uh, and to make sure we don't forget this love language, we're actually going to do something very uncomfortable. I'd like for the next five minutes, we're going to do an intermission and just massage the person next to you. For the, okay, you're not doing any of them, so we'll just keep going. Uh, ne next one, fourth love language, words of affirmation. That massage should come later, maybe. Words of affirmation. Now, I, I know the verse that we're centering all this around is, don't just talk about love, put your love into action, then it will truly be love. But to a person with this love language, words are actions, if that makes sense. Like, the act of giving and receiving words is love. It's interpreted as love, because wor words mean so much. So, if this is your love language or the love language of your spouse, unsolicited comments mean the world. Genuine compliments. That's not just praise, that's love. Like you're, they're feeling love. And hearing the words, I love you, that's, that's important. But the reason why you love them, even more important. Like a great phrase to complete is, I love you because. And then fill in that because. Hearing the reasons behind. Loving someone who feels love through words of affirmation, it means taking action to speak or write words that build them up. Uh, like, wow, you are an amazing cook. Like, after, like, be intentional with that. Uh, you, man, you are so fun to spend time with. I love spending time with you. You look awesome in that outfit. You know, I could just keep going. Text messages are a great tool, but it can't be the only tool. That's just one tool in the arsenal of, you know, showing love. Uh, but insults and careless words can shatter the heart of someone with this love language. 
And they're not easily forgotten, sometimes not easily forgiven. And just so we don't forget this love language, everyone participate here. Just look at the person next to you and say, you're awesome. Just tell them. We can do that one. You're awesome. Thank you. Finally, we did one. All right, fifth and final love language. See, that's the reason we shouldn't do this often because it takes a little bit of time. Uh, here's the final love language, physical touch. And contrary to what you might think, <laughs> This language isn't all about the bedroom, okay? It is about sex, but it's not all about sex. Uh, but if this is your love language or the love language of your significant other, it's, I mean, hugs, pats on the back, holding hands, thoughtful touches on the arm, shoulder, face, just all of that. It, it, that's what speaks and shows love. Physical presence and accessibility are crucial while neglect and abuse can be unforgivable and destructive. So in honor of this final love language, just fist bump person next to you. It's flu season, no high fives, just fist bump. Okay. So those are the five love languages. So now that we understand them, let's bring back in the verse that we're going to focus this around. Let's bring back in that verse from John, John 3.18. Dear children, let's, you know what, let's say it again because we're trying to memorize it. Dear children, God's children, that's all of us. Oh, here we go. Dear children, don't just talk about love. Put your love into action, then it will truly be love. Here's the application of that with what we've talked about. We are to love our spouse actively the way they need to be loved. That's it. Because a, a huge reason that, that marriages kind of stay in this mediocre range or like just okay marriage is because we try to love our spouse the way we need to be loved. Right? Like, I'm going to say that again. The reason so many of us, we kind of stay in that just okay spot in marriage is because we love the way we need to be loved, not the way they need to be loved. Because rarely do couples share the same love language. So it takes intentionality, it takes knowing, it takes desire to live out 1 John 3.18 in our relationships. See, my primary love language are words of affirmation and acts of service. Those are my top two. Shauna, my wife's primary love languages are quality time and physical touch. Totally different. I get an honorable mention with physical touch, so that helps a little bit. That's in there. But, um, but, but it, like, we have different love languages. And in the early days of marriage, I'll, I'll kind of, like, because mine's words of affirmation, I would give her words of affirmation, thinking that's all that's needed to fill the tank. I would write poetry to my wife in the early days of our marriage. And some of you guys, revolution guys, I saw the poems on Facebook and Instagram. And wait, can we just give the guys a hand that did that? Yeah. Now, the, the guys that did not, you now have an excuse because you might say, well, her love language isn't words of affirmation, so that's why I'm so you better do something else, okay? But uh, so in the early days of our marriage, like I would just, I would send her some texts and I love you and here's why and words of affirmation, poems. And, and I would get home and give her a kiss and think, her love tank's full. I can watch Sports Center now. And, and, and I quickly found out that she appreciates my words of affirmation because all five of these things do speak love. But nothing can replace that, that spending time physically in person, cuddling, Netflix, who knows? With her. Nothing can replace that. Another way this plays out for us, I, I, I love going on group dates. I love group dates. It's fun. And I, we, we get to share our love in stories of love and in relationship with other people. And I just love going out with other people. She loves one-on-one -on -one dates. And when we go on a one-on-one -on -one date, she expects it to stay one-on-one. -on -one. 
So one of the things we've had to work through is, like, I can't go, we can't, if we're doing a one-on-one date, we can't go to Applebee's and Logan Sport, because we're going to see some of you, and it's going to turn on, turn to a two-on-two kind of, I mean, it's just, like, so we've got to go out of town on the dates, because that's just, it's just some of the stuff we've kind of learned, that, that each of us interprets love differently. We have to love our spouse the way they need to be loved. Let's read the verse one more time. Dear children, don't just talk about love. Put your love into action then it will truly be love. We have to take action to love our spouse the, the way they need to be loved. Now, here's one final thing, and, and man, this is, this is key right here. One final thing we need to talk about that relates to all this, and we're gonna call it this, the relational bank account. And this is, this is crucial in loving our spouse the way they need to be loved. Each action of love, in, toward their love language especially, is like one deposit in your relational bank account, and it takes five of these deposits for every one withdrawal. So we need five actions of love for every time we screw up, tick off the other person, mishandle conflict, let them down, expectations not met, five to one. And or maybe you're like, well, where did he come up with that? He's just making that up it's just to challenge us. That's what he's trying. No, th- th- not at all. Like, it actually comes from Dr. John Gottman, who's done dec- decades of research on successful marriages. I mean, he's, a, he's an expert on this commitment goal that we're looking at today. Uh, and he, he's one of the foremost experts. And, and rather than just kind of explaining it all, the Gottman Institute put this really simple video together. So let, let's just watch this, and then I, I'm going to kind of land this plane today. Ever wonder why some couples make it and others don't? Scientist Dr. John Gottman did. He spent 40 years studying thousands of couples to find out exactly what separates the relationship masters from the relationship disasters. Shakespeare compares love to a rose. Gottman uses a different metaphor, an emotional bank account. You know how a regular bank account works. So what's an emotional bank account? It represents the positive and negative balance in your relationship. The best couples maintain a high balance. Couples that break up are often in the red. You make deposits through positive interactions and you withdraw through negative ones. What does a deposit look like? It's a simple act of showing your partner that you care for and support them. It's as easy as sending your partner a good luck text before a meeting or cooking them dinner after a long day. And pay attention when your partner shows you their admiration and support. Notice when they're investing in your relationship. Thank you. A withdrawal is either hurtful behavior toward your partner or ignoring their invitations to connect. But withdrawals and deposits don't have equal weight. In fact, Gottman found it takes five positive interactions to make up for one negative one. Happy couples maintain at least this five to one ratio. If you make constant deposits and keep your balance high, you're saving up for a rainy day when you'll need to cash in on that goodwill. Gottman notes that small daily deposits, like asking your partner how their day was, is far more important than the occasional over-the-top romantic gesture. Positivity leads to more positivity. This is not about keeping score. It's about investing in your relationship and your shared emotional bank account, moving from me to we. So keep your balance high by doing nice things every day and recognizing when your partner does them for you. You'll build up that emotional bank account in no time. 
All right, so uh, if, if I lost you somewhere in the love languages or that, like this is, this is the part right here we got to get. And if I could get the usher team, just come and grab this podium. We're not going to need it for the rest of the morning. That'd be awesome. Um, so maybe you're here, and hopefully you heard in the video, it said, like, when we make these deposits, we're saving up for a rainy day because a rainy day is going to come. Did you catch that in the video? And, and friends, I think there's just so much hope in this that, look, the, the goal's not perfection. A rainy day's coming, okay? You're, we're not going to get this right all the time. I'm not going to buy pots and pans for Mother's Day again, but there's going to be something else I do that messes this thing up, right? We're not going to, and perfection's not the goal. That's the hope. We just want to be better. Five to one, that'd be great. That, that's, like, the perfection is not the goal. And so maybe you're like, gosh, I, I, this is, yeah, like, we could do this. Maybe you've even looked at your spouse a couple times. I think we could, let's, let's work on this. Let's figure out the love language. Let's figure out how we can fill each other's tank. And let's work through this a little bit. And you got some hope as you're getting ready to take off. Uh, for some of you, man, you're, you, maybe you're struggling a little bit because your spouse is not here today. Um, maybe maybe you're, you're on this faith journey a little bit alone today. And it's, it's hard. And just, just know, like, you're not alone, okay? Even if they're not here, we're, we're better together as a church family. You have people here to support you in this. Or maybe, maybe, you, maybe there's a, a season of separation in your life right now. And it's contributing to you, like, I just can't see past a just okay marriage. I just can't. Like, there's just been so many things. And, and maybe, maybe because of deceit and, and abuse and even adultery, it is over. I don't know. Maybe it is over. But I just, here's the thing I want us to leave with today. That when we feel like we don't even have the love to give, there is a source, like that we're not just alone in this room. There's a source beyond this room that gives us what we need when we don't think we have anything left to give. And when it comes to love, and maybe you think things have been very unfair, and, and I just have not received anything. I don't have anything to pour out, Anthony. Well, here's the hope. There's a reservoir of love you can tap into today called the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of God. And here's what it says in Romans 5, 5. Here's that other verse I was talking about. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. And man, if you, maybe you feel like, man, my heart's a little empty right now because of this. And like it's, I feel somewhat empty. And I just don't know if I have anything to give friends. There is a source that gives you what you need when you don't have what you need. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And so we're, we're going to end today with, with just kind of an application of this. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And if, here's the thing, too. If, if you're here and you have not accepted that gift of God's love and become a, a Christ follower and, and accepted this free gift of salvation, today's the day that can happen. I'm going to pray here in just a second. I would encourage you to slip out of your seat and go back to our prayer room in the back left corner. There's volunteers that will love to help walk you through that step. Today can be a life-changing day for you to accept that love of God. If you're here today and, and maybe you are, and you are a Christ follower, we're going to pray together. And what I would ask you to do is everybody in the room, just let's put our hands out like this. Like it's just kind of an act of I'm ready to receive something. Just hands out like this. And if you're, if you're here with your spouse and they're next to you, just grab their hand with one hand and have that other hand out like this. So together, like as one, one flesh, you're, you're here to receive something. And I'm just going to pray for us. God, I know there's, 
There's individuals in this room that feel somewhat empty right now. I don't know what this week brought. I don't know what this year has brought. But I know who you are. And I know that you, when we don't have what it takes, that you fill in those gaps. I, I pray for the relationship that's separated right now. I pray for your strength. I pray for your grace. I, I, I pray for a miracle. God, I pray for the marriages that are together, that are pursuing you together in this room, that this would be, that, that so much strength would come from today and, and some practical living out, that, that marriages would be strengthened from what we've talked about as we receive your love right now. I pray for all of us, those that aren't married, those that are in friendships and other relationships, kid relationships, uh, parent relationships, that, God, that your love would just overwhelm us today. We receive your love because we can't do it on our own. Holy Spirit, just, just let us build our lives, our relationships on this love. I pray this in Jesus' name.